Hello, everybody. just want to do a quick cleansing breath with you all before we get into this conversation. Welcome, welcome. (sighs) (sighs) Calling all of our guides and angels to clear, cleanse, heal, and close the space to anything but our highest consciousness and our good. I say we are loved, we are appreciated, we are safe, we are healing, we are healed. We are all, we are welcome, we are abundant, we are appreciated, we are protected, we are loved, we are safe. I say, (sighs) I want to do a quick cleansing breath with you guys and just share with you that quick prayer that has been very key and important for me, my daughter, my family, my home, as I'm creating my home and cleansing in my womb and my space. We moved into a new home and so it's cleaning and clearing anything and everything out of this space, which hasn't been completed yet. So I'm really feeling that. And a lot of you might really feel this of needing to detox and cleanse and clear. Even if we're just taking a moment anytime during the day or before we start our day or before we go to bed, especially, is saying that intention and that prayer to cleanse and clear and close and have that completion and really create our home and our sanctuary and All of that good stuff. So excited to be here with you. Episode number two, baby. Very excited. I am going to be sharing today for those of you for my breastfeeding journey. I'm going to have a separate episode with a friend and a guest of mine about the sleeping aspect of teaching our children to fall asleep on their own and sleep through the night. So I will be having her on and she will be with me because she has two babies and then I have my one and I learned this from her. You guys have seen me post the book, The Happy Sleeper or Happy Sleep and this, the conversation that I have with her will be just beautiful because it'll be the same structure and details, but it'll give an aspect of three different children and how it can vary and really share powerfully on being in tune to our child's needs with the structure and the training aspect of it. So excited about that. And I still wanted to share my breastfeeding journey for those of you who need this and incorporate some sleep stuff in there too. So Any questions you guys have, feel free to message me. I can answer you. I can record something else if need be. And yeah, so I know a lot of us are having a really beautiful breastfeeding journey now. We have or we want to and having that beautiful attachment with our child. But with that comes, we have to shift out of that sometimes, not sometimes, but we have to shift out of that a little bit in different parts of our journey with the breastfeeding journey based on our needs as a family, my needs as a mom, and the child's needs, especially when it comes to sleep or wanting your body back again or wanting sleep again. Honestly, it could be the feeling of, I just want the baby off of me and I want my own space. So there's that, there's that stuff. And then there's really beautiful stuff. So I'll share with you all in regards to breastfeeding, because I get asked this a lot, is would I, would I change anything? The answer is no. And the one aspect of sleep. And that's why I'm doing a whole separate episode on sleep because that's it's a big deal. So I wouldn't change a thing except <clears throat> the aspect of sleep of her learning how to fall asleep on her own and not nursing through the night and those aspects because co-sleeping was a part of my journey as well. And I get asked about that a lot too. I would not change a thing. Literally the 
only thing that I would change. It's my safety with detaching from the co-sleep and from her sleeping in her own bed and from that whole thing. So it's my own detachment from that. And now that I'm a mom and I've had this experience with my first and things like that, I'll know what to expect now. And I'm also, I can be way more conscious of the parts of me that didn't want to detach or that was scared to detach. And my husband, Samson, can see it clearly, the places where I wasn't detaching. And he really had respect, you know, of, okay, cool, this is her and her journey. And that was cool. And I can really see how I can do it differently. So I, everything, I would do the exact same and I will do the exact same except for teaching her the sleep stuff sooner so that I can have my bed back sooner. I can have me and my husband time sooner because my daughter is going to be four coming up in the next few months. And we've just, for the second time and the final time, and I intentionally say final (laughs) because, yes, have taught her how to fall asleep on her own and to sleep through the night. And really, as soon as I feel the safety, I do the work with me and I feel the safety within me as the mom, then that's when she starts to energetically shift into safety with herself and falling asleep on her own and staying in her bed. As a mom, we are forever and always connected to our children. And then based on your personal spiritual abilities or maybe how much you've tuned yourself to your intuitive abilities and that connection abilities with our child. And again, we all have different like spiritual, non-physical capabilities. And for me personally, I don't know if every mom recognizes this or you will recognize it or I'm not like fully versed in this. I'll just share my experience is based on the deep wounds that I have. And maybe this is every mom actually. I'm going to share a book in the notes about shadow work that happens with us as mothers after we give birth. It's like a volcano of eruptions of these emotions and our children feel these emotions that we're feeling. However, they don't know, they don't fully know why they're feeling it. So we actually, by us communicating with our children very specifically and truthfully as much as we can with what we're feeling, it helps them establish an emotional structure and safety within themselves. Rewind that back if you need it back to hear that. Because what happens is as my wounds and triggers and everything that happens that come up inside of me, whether or not I'm expressing it with my emotions or physically expressing it, if I'm just thinking it or feeling it and it's like in my body, she, because she's wide open and she's a child and, and then also comes in her abilities and then how me and her are connected, <clears throat> she's the outer representation of that wound. So she's feeling the emotions and sometimes she'll go through like a physical release. You guys, our children having tantrums or having these meltdowns or yes, some of it is related to if they had sugars. Most of it is related to if they had enough sleep or they're like deeply tired. However, we also get to check in with what we are experiencing inside because they're experiencing it on their end. 
And ever since she was little, whenever I was experiencing these emotions and I'm knowing that she's also experiencing it on her end, regardless if she's showing it or not, I'm going to have a conversation with her and communicate with her. Hey, mommy's feeling sad because of this. Mommy's feeling really happy because of this and this. And it's so cool. She'll even check in with me sometimes now and be like, how are you feeling today? Are you feeling sad? Are you feeling happy? Are you feeling silly? Are you feeling lovable? Are you, all these things. And, and and then I'll ask her and like we check in with each other and sometimes she's sad and sometimes she's sometimes she's happy or she's feeling silly. And I'm like, okay, what do you want to do? And she's want to make silly faces or I want to do this. Or sometimes she'll say she's sad and I'll say, oh, okay, what's happening? And that's a big shift I've made too is from saying what's wrong or what's up to, okay, what's happening? And having the energy, very light energy around it and shifting from what's wrong to what's happening. That's so powerful. And she hasn't quite tapped into actually sharing what's happening. And so for me, it could be she doesn't quite know how to articulate it yet. So then for me, I'm going to check in with myself and say, okay, cool. She's saying she's sad. Let me maybe check in to see if there's any sadness in me and I can articulate to her why and maybe that would make sense for her. And then we can release it or whatever. There's so many amazing things. The breastfeeding topic, what's happening is when we're breastfeeding and then we're making these transitions with sleep and getting off the breast and all these different things, I, in my experience, it actually completely enhances this connection And that's why we experience, and and there's a particular routine that they're used to. So with co-sleeping or breastfeeding, as as two different examples, they're used to that routine. So whenever we move into a different routine, not feeding at night, not breastfeeding anymore, not sleeping in my bed, not me coming and sleeping in her bed when she wakes up at night and that's what makes her feel safe. She's used to these things. There's a certain routine that has happened. And now when we shift any routine, the connection will be enhanced because the emotions are being enhanced inside of us between mother and child or children. And they're simply protesting a routine, which any of us would. If we're used to a certain thing and we really love it and it feels really good. And I get, I get to be at home next to my mom and feeling that warmth and listening to her heartbeat, just like they were in the womb with us. That's when they feel the most safe. They hear our heart. Their breathing is regulated. Their temperature gets help regulated. This is all the stuff. That's why wrapping your baby on you and sleeping with your baby and nursing your baby and all these different things are, one, it's completely natural and intuitive for us to do. It's, you know, it's the first thing that we want to do. Our nipples get darker so that our babies, their eyesight isn't 100% when they come out so that they can see that contrast of the skin color so that the first thing that they can do is go get some food. And it's that warmth and it's that closeness. So no matter when we're shifting, even when they're three years old, almost four, they, it's the protest of the routine. And then I get to check in with my emotions. You got to go into it super calm. And just every time we, it's going into it super calm. This is where we learn as well. We we're learning this emotional connection because when already without them even being on the nipple. We're already so connected in all these ways that I've just explained. But then especially when they're latched on, that's like we're becoming one. When they're feeding off of me and then my body is reading the baby's body. Like every time that baby latches onto you, 
our bodies are reading their bodies to see what they need. Our milk changes and our body produces different vitamins and nutrients that they need possibly in that particular time. You'll actually see it when our baby is going through cell rejuvenation with some sort of illness or infection, the fever or rash or whatever's going on with illness and infection, our bodies will produce different milk to give them the needs that they need. You'll even see it in different colors and it's also based on our food, but that, we, that we're eating, but our bodies are reading that. So if that's happening between me and baby, let's just imagine the complete emotional connection that's happening between us two. So before we nurse, it's so important to be at a calm state and relaxed and chill. And I've known when I've been in heightened states, sweaty, anxious, haven't really checked in with myself. I'm passing all of that onto her and she's feeling that. And that's when usually that session that we're feeding is not so great. We're passing all of that on to them. It's the same thing, whether we're nursing or not, is understanding that's what's happening. So with breastfeeding, me personally, when I, I was in the tub, when I gave birth uh, to her for about 45 minutes, just sat in the water and just enjoying it. She pooped a couple times and we're just enjoying ourselves. And I'm just sitting there and honestly, she was just relaxed and crying a little bit from what I remember. And we were just relaxed and everything. And then it was okay. It's been 40, 45 minutes and placenta hasn't done its thing to come out yet. And it's like, okay, cool. I can get out this is the first time that Samson held her while I can have help out of the tub. And then we go back to the bed. And as I'm laying in the bed and now it's time to birth the placenta and do that. And by the way, like with that nipple stimulation of the baby going on and latching, that also supports the the womb, the uterus contracting to release the placenta. And then as you're on your nursing journey, as you're healing postpartum, when the baby's nursing as well is supporting the uterus to contract technically to then shrink down to its original size. So that's the cramping and different things that you experience. So nursing helps us with so many things. It's helping us with that entire healing postpartum journey It's, of course, the colostrum in the beginning, which is the thicker yellow stuff. You might even have some of that coming out of your nipples while you're pregnant. I did, and it was epic. And you can even learn how to express and get some out of there. It's really powerful for like when women who, I guess we don't really ever know that we're going to have a preemie, but it could be really cool to even express and get some stuff out while you are pregnant so that if you do have any issues, with nursing or you have a preemie or anything like that, you have some of your own colostrum to support the baby. It's a really cool tip I learned a long time ago. So the colostrum is happening all in the beginning. And then, and then it's really important to know that it's a learning curve between it's a learning curve for me as a mom. It's a learning curve between the baby. And then no matter how many children you have, because the baby has to learn how to latch and suck and do its thing. And and then based on if there's tongue ties or lip ties that are affecting or anything like that, foods that could be affecting, it's like we're really calibrating to each other. There's a relationship where we're learning the relationship between mom and baby on this whole thing. So for me, it was quite the challenge and the journey of the first five weeks was horrendous. She was 
quote, latching. It wasn't great. It wasn't perfect. She was having a hard time. I learned later, I learned five weeks later that she had her tongue tied and then I had flat nipples. So mine weren't drawn out at all. So she was having such a hard time. She couldn't. So I had to use a nipple shield. A lot of you are probably aware of this. I completely am grateful for it because it saved me and it helped me. It helped me bring out my nipples and it helped me to feed my baby because I completely 100% nursed the entire time. And I also see that as a blessing for my journey because she wouldn't even take a bottle. So I didn't have any other choice. She wanted the best thing. She just wanted me. And people have also asked if I would do that differently. And, and my answer right now is no. Because I think what was very powerful about that is because she wasn't using the bottle and she only had me, we had no choice but to learn. No choice. There's no plan B. I did think of a plan B. There was one time, I probably was four weeks in, and I'm in so much pain. And when she would wake up from sleeping, I would literally be completely stressed out terrified because I was, my nipples were bleeding. They were cracked. They hurt so bad. Some of the worst pain of my life. I was never in that type of pain giving birth. Like this was painful. And I think it was a combination of the nipple shield and then the latch being wrong. And then maybe her tongue tie was definitely her tongue tie was affecting things. So it was just very hard and that was the first time that I looked at my husband, Samson. I said, you know what? Maybe I'm just going to pump. And she's, she's just going to have to figure out the bottle and eat because I would, she would latch on and be so much pain to latch on. And then it was okay. It was better, not as much pain while she was eating. And then I had to switch sides and latch on the other side. And I'm sitting there with her latched on me and tears are just falling down my face. I can only imagine what Samson thought. <laughs> Because it's, there was not much he could do per se. And we knew what my goal was and my journey was. So I felt like at that time, because he knew what we wanted as well. We're going to nurse and this is what we're doing. And then I forget how it happened, but I was introduced to a team called Team Tongue Tie in San Diego. These wonderful women who created this team, Team Tongue Tie, just epic. And I go to them and lo and behold, they diagnose her with her tongue tie. And we did the, we lasered the underneath the tongue and we lasered the under the top lip as well, just because we were there already. It worked out doing both and it was beautiful. And I had lactation consultants come to the house and help me because I'm like, what is wrong and how do I do this? But no one clearly out diagnosed this. And, and this was my last straw. This was like after this man, cause there was no way there was no way that I can continue being in this pain and bleeding how I was. So I, this was the last thing. And I was also terrified. I was scared. And they did say that it didn't hurt her. Like the first stretch you do under their tongue to keep it healing correctly. That was the hardest day. And then after that, she was great. They did a beautiful job. It was epic. They said the worst part was holding her down for the seconds that it took to, to laser it. That was the worst part. What was really beautiful, so imagine, this is five weeks after I'm in massive pain, wanting to give up. I'm feeding with the nipple shield the entire time, both sides, all day, every day, every two hours, through the night, everything. And each feed would take at least 45 minutes because only a little bit of milk was coming out of the shield at a time. 
and she had that tongue tie, which I did not know. What's epic is that she was growing beautifully. She was gaining weight beautifully and she was getting what she needed, did what I had to do. But imagine after five weeks, and this is my last thing, my, you know, everything, get the laser done. So the women are done and Zen is in my hands and latches on. They weighed her first because it was so cool for her to weigh her. And then we did the feed after the tongue ties were revised and then to weigh her again to see the milk she's getting. And she was pro like you guys, my one dream and wish over those five weeks was I do not, like it was a dream for me to not use the shield. I'm like, one day I'm not going to use a shield. I was like, I'd visualize it one day. She's just going to latch on whenever and wherever we're out in public, we're on an airplane, like wherever she wants to just latch on. It was my dream to be able to do that because if you have ever or you ever use a nipple shield it's this little silicone thing and you gotta like it's gotta get it on and then if you're sweaty you're wet it like doesn't stick and then they got it's like a whole thing so that was my absolute dream was to just nurse freely anytime anywhere any place it's beautiful so the fact that after her tongue and lip were revised and she latched on epically and she fed in 10 minutes and then got like however many ounces she got and it was beautiful and I remember the ladies looking at me like wow and it's really a testament to we learned all the aspects during those five weeks even though it was very difficult and she had the shield and she had all these things we learned everything so then we so then when she didn't have the shield and she didn't have the tongue tie it was just no-brainer and she was on and we had the most beautiful epic breastfeeding journey ever since so What I share with women now is one is um, reading the book, Ina May's Guide to Breastfeeding, before you give birth. I didn't read that until after. And I'm in, like, I learned all of this in the moment, in the journey, as I'm like trying to figure this out with this baby in my arms that I don't even, I didn't even know really how to change it. Like, I wasn't a part of kids' lives like that before having her. So learning all of this in, in the moment. So before you give birth, if you can, we're already reading Ina May's guide to childbirth. And she has that book, her guide to breastfeeding, really beautiful to learn all the facts, all the realities, everything inside of there. And looking for that tongue tie and having someone that can diagnose that right away, because that can be something that you do sooner than later. The, the younger that the babies are, the quicker the healing is, the less pain, everything. And you they need to have that tongue freely working to feed. So if you go on YouTube or even in the book and you look at these visuals of actually what's happening, how they're latching and then how the tongue is working to feed the milk, it will make sense. You want the, the lips out and around and you'll see exactly what it looks like. And then you'll see how the tongue works to get the milk out. So having that tongue free is very key. I've even read back in the day with midwives, that's one of the first things that they checked for and they would just snip it. They would just snip it and then you just make sure it's called doing stretches. It's really rubbing your finger to the bottom of the mouth under the tongue, you know, when you're making sure that is healing. So it, it, so it doesn't heal with the tie back on. So it's healing. So yeah, so just being prepared in those ways. So 
Then for me, it was completely flawless and beautiful. She, she never, we didn't even really even try to introduce the bottle because I just, I also loved the benefit. Looking back, I loved the benefit of when they feed directly from our breast. Not only is my body able to read everything she needs and produce all those vitamins and minerals that she needs, which that will never happen with us. So it's being aware of that. Just, it's just awareness. Whatever we choose and whatever our journey is, with the circumstances that we have with me, my body, my baby, however this works, obviously some women just aren't able to nurse directly from the boob and they do full-time pumping. And that's great. That's perfect. Obviously they're still getting so much of they need. And I, that for me is that's plan B hardcore. That is the plan B. So, but it's just being aware of the benefits. That's why I say I would not really do it differently. When I understand, like sometimes it could be really cool. It would have been really cool for me to give my husband the bottle and then he can do the night feeding sometimes. Other people can feed her with the bottle and this, that. But for me personally, with my journey and it may change later, I don't know. But personally for my journey, I love that I had that aspect. She was always feeding directly from the boob. And then I thought that I had to pump. Like for some reason, I just feel like the messaging out there was like, I need to get this pump through my insurance. And then I got a pump and then I got to have this, the the dad can help and whatever. And so I had started to do that, but I was feeling very overwhelmed. I felt like I had this already full-time job of healing and postpartum and learning for learn. She's learning how to breastfeed and oh my gosh, navigating my new self, my new brain, my new body. And how do I do this? So for me, taking away the pump, taking away the bottles really cleared up space. (laughs) and cleared up my mind. And I really just got to focus on me. I got my baby and my nursing. And I personally loved it. I love having a baby and I love wrapping her and holding her. And I loved nursing. And I know it's not like that for a lot of people, but the gift and the blessing that I feel like I've been given is to completely surrender to my woman that I am and to my divine motherhood, like who I am as a mother and taking on that role completely. And my husband supports me. Yes. And in other ways, yes. And was there sometimes at night, but really it's meaning like getting up at night. I was the one getting up and awake and feeding her through the night. So technically it's, he never did that, although he wanted to, and he was down to, but I really felt like I, I was forced, I was forced on this path to really own the role and own my woman and own myself as a mother and have that very special, important key bonding time always with my child that looking back, I loved and I would not change a thing. And again, who knows, might be different in the future, but just wanted to share that with you guys for maybe some new moms or wanting to be moms who think that you got to do it all. Because I see I don't see my, oh, I, I need to do it all as I'm the one nursing her all the time. No, that's something I want to do. That's something I love to do. That's something I'm cherishing. And of course, it's not the easiest thing learning to get up every two hours and feed and different things like that. And for me, the doing it all conversation would be like, and the pumping and the bottle and the cleaning. I don't want to do. So it's really simplifying things and really owning my role as a mom and as a woman and that I love and that I'm really in love with and I cannot wait to do it again. 
So I will also share for me when the first time I was nursing in public, very awkward for me. I did not feel myself. I really had to learn how to transition to feeling way comfortable and safe of doing it out of my home because in my home, I had a particular place on the couch and I set the pillows around me and I put the nursing boppy around my lap and I set her on and it was very particular holding her head and learning that. And when also when we do that, when we really put focus and intention on setting ourselves up powerfully with having that nursing time with our child. One, it's that bonding time. It's that, it's almost like a meditation. Even when I would get up, sometimes I wouldn't always lie, side lying, feed her at night. Sometimes I would get up and I would get in my position and sit up in my position and position her because also when we do that, it's meditation for us, it's connection for us. And also getting that latch good every time is going to steer you away from getting any infections or clogged ducts or things like that. Like we can get clogged ducts and issues when we're making too much milk. That's another thing that pumping does too. It's basically if you're nursing on the boob and you're pumping, every time your body empties, it's going to replenish. So if you are doing both nursing with the baby and pumping, it's like you have twins. So you're producing so much milk and that's how a lot of women get a lot of infections. Lack of water can cause infections or clogged ducts. For me, was if it was off a little bit or the latch wasn't the greatest, I would get clogged ducts sometimes. Even with that, I would get in the, the hot shower and expressing it out or my sideline feeding can help or with the baby on the floor, like the baby laying on their back on the floor and I'm over the baby on my all fours and then my boob, get your boob down there above them to nurse from there to so think of, think about it gravity and them pulling the the milk out and the duct out learning those things and how important the latches every single time so that was also one reason it was like out of my element when I'm in public nursing and then you guys I nursed her for two and a half years at six months yes we shifted into solid foods we did something called baby led weaning blw And there's a book I recommend for that as well. I'll put in the notes. Epic. At six months, she's eating the foods that we eat. It's except as I'm cooking lunch and cooking dinner, I'm cutting the foods to where she can hold them, hold the cooked sweet potato like in her hand, like learning how to use her hands and hold and like her motor functions and then eating them and learning how to swallow. And I will say one quick thing on BLW if you do choose to do it, the main question I always get is worried about them choking. And I get it because you see them gag. You don't see them choke. So there's a difference between the gagging and the choking. So when they're learning, actually their gag reflux for their safety is like right on the top of their tongue. It's forward. It's our gag reflux. It actually moves back as we get older, because ours is like further back because we don't need that same safety anymore. So when they first start eating solid foods, and you'll hear all about this in the book, they're operating with that gag reflux right on the top of their tongue, basically. So they're learning that aspect. So you see them gag. And it's, it's a needed thing because they're learning that. And then at the same time, their body is learning that. So they're not choking. So it's learning the differentiation between the two. And then the book goes into how you're cooking them their foods and so that they can hold it. You're, how you're cutting the grapes because obviously you're not giving them like round things to actually get stuck and choke. So yeah. So six months she's learning that. So then we're incorporating 
breast milk and that. And I'm thinking she's going to start to wean off and get off the breast milk. No, this girl was hardcore, wanted to keep going. And then we would do, I started to transition into like milk was dessert to get her to start eating solid foods more, but she still incorporated all of it. And I know some babies and I'm seeing it, especially in boys, how like for whatever reason, when they hit like around a year old, they just stop. They just stop. I don't want the boob anymore. So that may happen to your child. It didn't happen with mine. She would, she still wants to nurse now and she's almost four. She talks about it. She asks me, she like plays with me. Hey, I, st- I want some milk. Can I have some milk? So it's hilarious. Like she loves it. And, um, and I'll share about our transition off. But first what happened is at a year I was, we were still co-sleeping. So we transitioned her into her own bed. We just got her a full size mattress that she slept in on her own in her bed And so that was our transition. We never did a crib or anything enclosed or anything like that. Just personal choice. She transitioned from co-sleeping in our king-size bed with us at a year old to her own full-size mattress in her room. And, or a little bit before that, because at a year old is when I stopped nursing at night. And with this, it's an energetic thing. It's very important we communicate with them what's happening. Hey, I'm just, tonight we're going to do something different. We're going to be learning something different. There's going to be no more milk at night. So mommy can get some really good sleep. You can get some really good sleep. We're going to rest and recharge. If you want your water, you can have your water. Mommy's going to be with you, but there's no more milk. No more milk. And communicate this with them no matter how young or old they are. doesn't matter. They hear us. They can understand us. And they also feel us energetically. Whenever we make any type of routine shift, transition into teaching them something, it's very important that we are communicating with them beforehand, even physically running them through the routine. Hey, this is how bedtime's going to go tonight. I'm going to lay with you. Maybe you get up. Maybe you don't. Maybe you get up and you want milk, but there's no more milk. You know, and I'm shaking my head or I'm using sign language. Using sign language with our babies, super key. Go on YouTube, learn like three to five signs for that week. Teach them. You and the baby are teaching or learning at the same time. And learn those. So start with all done, start with please, start with thank you, start with more. And they pick it up like the, the younger our children are, the quicker they learn. They absorb so much quicker at six months than they do at a year or two years. Like the younger they are, the quicker and easier they absorb. You can teach them like anything and everything and they are absorbing so quick. So it was beautiful to learn sign and all these different things with her flashcards and reading. And oh my gosh, one of my favorite things ever to work with infants, infants and our babies on learning the stuff. It's really cool. So it's communicating with them beforehand, even walking them through it physically on what's going to happen later that night so that when they get to that night, they may not be happy and they probably are going to protest. However, you communicated with them about it. And then they'll, she felt me energetically. There's been things that I didn't energetically choose and she, it just, it didn't work out because I didn't make the choice like no matter what and have a very calm, grounded feeling and communication around it. So that was really important. The first night that we transitioned off of night sleep and I did the night, no more night milk first because I just needed sleep. I wanted to continue breastfeeding. I loved it. And that wasn't something I was ready to stop. But at night, oh yes. She no longer needed it. This is the part that I say from the beginning is 
this, I would do this way sooner. Like I would, I guess, I'm guessing I would do it around probably six or seven months. Like when they're transitioning into the solid foods, then that's probably the time that I would take down the nighttime. And I'm sure we can do it sooner too. But I just feel like intuitively right now, I feel like that's what I would do. Yeah. And the first night, complete protest. She's crying. She's screaming. And I just knew I was committed to my calm, grounded state. I was committed to the choice. I was committed to why. I was committed to creating the safety and love with her no matter what. I was with her the whole time and communicating with her. She had water there if she needed it and just continued to communicate with her and knew that I was probably not going to get any sleep that night. And I didn't. Just committing to that as a family and very important that your partner, your husband, is on the same page. So that was key. And so she ended up falling asleep with her as she got up each time, like several times through the night when it was a whole thing, crying and protesting. And there's love and there's cuddles and there's communication. She eventually ended up falling asleep later that night with her, like cuddling her water cup. And then that was the worst night. The first night of any of these like transitions are the worst And then I feel like second, third night is way not even that bad. It's still like getting up and learning because they still want to test you and protest a little bit. And then by the fourth night, like they're, and then if you have any hiccups or they get up or they protest later at any time, if you still stick to the same communication, the same calmness, you're like calm, but stern, but you've energetically made the choice and you've done the communication around it. So any transition we do, with stopping nursing during the day or at night, it's the same principles. It's the communication. It's letting them know. It's walking them through it. It's me energetically choosing it and being very grounded and calm yet stern in in my voice, in my tone, and grounded in that. And then for us, we nursed on into two and a half years. She was eating plenty of foods. This girl loves to eat. She's always been amazing with that. This was just... She also loved nursing and she loved being with me and having that time. And when they're older like that too, it's not for food anymore. It's, of course, it's extra nutrients and vitamins and minerals. And, and mostly it's that cuddling, soothing, safe time. And the only reason why we stopped is because she was two and a half. And I remember because it wasn't a food thing and it it was if she needed a particular need or she wanted soothing or that safety or whatever it is that she needed or wanted. And then it was time to get off. It's like she didn't want to get off. And then we're fighting each other. And then we're upset with each other. And then it was just this anxiety, stressful type of feeling. And for me, it just so happened to be at two and a half years old for her. And that was my time. That feeling can happen way sooner or later for any of us. So for us, and I just knew it. I was on the couch that day and I told my husband, I was like, yep, this is it. It was just bad. It was all bad. So that was the, that was that moment I decided. And so she got off and she was really upset. And once she calmed down, I communicated with her, Hey, this is what's happening. Excuse me. So I communicated with her that this is what's happening and no more milk. And this is why, and just really telling her and It's really beautiful. We had a really beautiful, clean, clear transition off of milk. And I also did put, what is it? I put Band-Aids or tape over my nipples and showed her, hey, like mommy's got an owie. It's all gone. The milk's all gone. I'll be getting ready for another baby one day. And you get to eat more of your foods and I'll make some milk for you and different stuff like that. So having fun with it and communicating with it. And she shifted really easily. And then, like I said, it's been over a year now and she will 
she'll playfully ask me or even the other day I was like topless and she like came up under my legs and she tried to sneak herself and I was like what are you doing and she just started laughing and it's a really beautiful relationship and I love that it was like I think we both understood that we weren't having the greatest time (laughs) at that point when we had stopped during the day yeah so I believe I answered everything and that was our journey and like I said I wouldn't change a thing I would just getting her off at night and then the sleep transitions that we've done I would just do those things sooner And I've been very inspired by some mothers who've had babies and just things that they did differently. Like the, I fed on demand whenever I felt that she needed to eat or she showed that she wanted to eat, I fed her and I nursed her. And I've been learning a different method on like every single time that they're upset or need me or whatever doesn't necessarily mean that they need to latch on and eat milk. So it's, I'm learning, I'm still learning. And so I do know that my with my next children, so much of my journey will be very similar. There will just be other minor in like tune things that will shift to where I'm not completely given on demand to my child, like keeping, like letting everything go to my child and having them dictate how I'm feeling or how much they're on the boob or like whatever. So it's finding that beautiful aligned midway point where yes, I am giving my child all of these needs and doing these things that are very important to me, but then also still keeping myself and not giving every ounce of myself to this and creating more of a established communicative relationship between the two of us. I just really feel like there's a really balanced place. And I do have some women that I really want to get on to share about their experience. And you can hear from my story and then other women's stories and then from their stories how you can, what's so cool about my podcast and something that I'm always wanting to really set at his intention as well as is how I've learned as a mother and how I've taken, I've gotten so much advice and ideas from all these mothers all over the world. I love our women community And I'll ask like about breastfeeding or about sleep or about this. And then I'll get all this, I'll get a beautiful rush and abundance of ideas and what women did to help them through that particular situation. And then I gather, okay, cool. This, it's like picking flowers. Okay, cool. And then you put together your own bunch of flowers. Maybe it's two flowers. Maybe it's a dozen, like whatever. But you are gathering your things that work for you for your heart, your intuition, but then work that work for your family and your child. And then if you need to redirect or you need to add something in because it's not working, it's okay, cool. Maybe I need to grab this flower. Like none of us are going to do it the exact same way because I'm different. You're different. My child is different and your child is different than the other children. So it's always like a, yeah. Anyways, it's like gathering what you need and putting that together on what works best for you and your family. So yeah, really beautiful. So thank you um, for being here. Please um, let me know anything that I may have missed or anything that you have any questions about um, any of these breastfeeding topics, sleep topics that we're talking about. Go to my Instagram, Woman W Wellness, and also please share this on your stories. Get this out there. Spread this to women. Let's build this podcast of these beautiful women and these beautiful topics. And I'm so excited to have this to not only share with you, but with our babies. And for me, this podcast has been something really beautiful that I've started that is the start of my voice and these things that I'm learning and my story and this wisdom. And 
as we're evolving, as I'm evolving and we're evolving together, it's just a beautiful something that is being left for my children and generations to come. And then a book will come and whatever, whatever intends to be birthed out of me. So thank you for being here. Happy pregnancies and birthing and fertilities and postpartum and breastfeeding and milk love and all this beautiful stuff. I'm so happy you guys are here and I'll see you next time.